0: Well, here we are again at Ageing Fearlessly program at Radio Northern Beaches. Today my guest is Annie Gerton, a wonderful woman that I have met uh, socially outside in the swimming world. And you probably say, Karen, you meet everybody through swimming. Well, it's just one of those places with fantastic... People with who have a, you know a variety of careers and interests, and I really love that. So, welcome, Annie. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hi, Karen. It's great that you've taken the time to come here today and to
1: join me. My pleasure. Because you have, you're a psychologist. Um, I've trained in psychology. I have a degree in psychology, but I work mainly as a couples counsellor, uh, and I also see individual clients, helping them to get healthier and happier in their lives.
0: Which we all need to know how to get healthier and happier in our lives. I think it's something we aim for, most of us aim for, just to get the best out of our lives possible. So today, you wanted to talk to us, or we spoke about, human givens. Mm,
1: The human givens. It's basically a theory underlying a lot of psychology, which says that as human beings, we come into the world with some basic needs and also a set of resources that enable us to get those needs met, so if for example, you think about our hunger where it's important that uh, we get food all the time, we don't think about that it, we just have an innate way of, of feeling hungry so that we get food and it 's the same with water. well, speaking of water
0: i had a I used to work on film sets and I used to work with children, and there was one mother of a child I worked with, and she he was thirteen. She was always saying to him, blah, 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 you need to have a drink. And one day I said to her, why do you keep telling him? She said, if I don't remind him, he won't
1: know to do it. Mm. And I said, yes, of course he will. Mm. His body will tell him. Absolutely, and that's the human givens. Um, We come into this world with a set of innate needs and resources, and the resources like thirst enable us to get water and to get food and to get other, other needs met.
0: So, yeah, so, of course, if I'm feeling feeling thirsty, if I'm feeling hungry, if I'm
1: feeling cold... Mm, absolutely, that's another one, heat. We don't have to think about temperature. Our body, body just tells us whether we're feeling hot and cold and then we go and get a jumper to put on or, or take something off. We're an amazing machine. We are an amazing machine and we don't really acknowledge that or, or recognise it and yet as people get older, sometimes we have to consciously intervene to make sure that we get these needs met. So what I'd like to talk to you about today is our set of uh, emotional needs and I'm just going to go through a few of them and also the resources that enable us to get our needs met because I think once people are aware of them, they can uh, enable themselves to make sure that they get their needs met. It's
0: really fascinating. So emotional needs, should we start off with the first one?
1: Well, we need to feel secure in our lives. Security is a big one and uh, the point is that if these needs are not met, then we become anxious and depressed and addicted. And, um, so, yes, security is the first one, really. So we need to feel secure in where we're living and in our relationships. Uh, and the second one is to uh, feel in control of our lives. Um, we need to have some sense of autonomy over what's happening to us. And if we don't feel that we have some control, then, again, we become anxious, depressed, addicted. Our behaviors reflect the ways that our emotional needs are not being met. So should we just continue with each of these at the moment? So the third one? The third one would be um, attention. We need to receive enough attention. So if you go into the world and no one acknowledges you, Mm. no one says hello, um, you feel that you're being ignored and you're um, invisible, which is something that happens a lot to older people, um, this can make us mentally disturbed and unwell. We also need to give attention to other people. So receiving attention is important, but it's also important to give attention to other people. Um, we can't go through life without giving as much as receiving. And, of course, there's a lot of benefit to giving as much as receiving. Well,
0: there is that quote, it's better to give than receive, mm, yeah? Absolutely. And it does. It, it has that feel-good aspect about giving, mm. um, you know, and the joy that... The joy of giving, the joy that you see other people... Um show Mm. when they receive it it actually Mm. gives back to you yes
1: when we talk about that we think of giving in in terms of gifts and things but the greatest gift that we can give to other people is just our attention and our time and our time yes which is one reason why the swimming group that we belong to the bold and the beautiful is so valuable because every morning we go down and there's people who acknowledge our existence who call us by name and that's really important
0: well someone ran up to me yesterday morning on the way to swimming and it was you know 10 to 7 and she said Karen you need a hug I hadn't even spoken to anyone and I said why do I need a hug she said you just look like you've just woken up and that your room is full of people and what are they all doing here so I'm just coming to give you a hug and it was it was just a lovely way to and I felt really appreciated
1: so sweet so yeah yeah I, I felt That I existed in someone's life. This is a human given. So to feel appreciated is really important. And when people go through transitions in their lives, perhaps if they give up work or some other major life change, it can be difficult to establish routines in which we are acknowledged. You talked about
0: invisible. And as you would know, uh, one of my favorite topics is the invisible woman.
1: Mm.
0: And there... There's that time in your life that when your kids have left and there's all these big changes in your career and there's probably job insecurity
1: that sometimes make you feel invisible. Absolutely, but the human givens, if you understand the principles of the human givens, you can understand why you get that feeling, why invisibility is so painful and so difficult to navigate and so difficult to... Turn around. If you can understand what's happening to you at a basic physiological level, you can actually do something about it. You can recognise what's happened to you. The fact that sense of invisibility is because people are not acknowledging you in the way that they used to do. Perhaps when you had small children, or you were going to work. Mm. Yeah, and for women
0: sometimes, and I know we're we're sort of going on about this particular part of um, this particular need, but when you've been an attractive woman Mm. and that. Men probably paid you attention, and I say that, you know, or some mm. people paid you attention because you looked so great or mm. had sparkling eyes. As you lose some of these, you know, it has to come
1: from the inside as mm. well. Mm. And it's about acknowledging that life has seasons, and we go through the season of that youthful attractiveness and beauty, and we move into later seasons in our lives, and those later seasons have different strengths and... Attributes. So it's important to recognise that as we get older, we also become wiser. And people look at us in different ways, yes, but sometimes the ways they look at us now are actually better than the way they used to look at us when we were younger. This is so fascinating.
0: Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen please go to Facebook and like the page, Aging Fearlessly. This is really interesting to talk about, Annie. Right now you have another need for us.
1: Yes, another need that people have is to have status. So when we are parents or we have a job or we're engaged with life, it's fairly easy to have a status and feel that we are respected for who we are. But as we transition into older life, status can very easily drop away. So people lose that sense of they have worth in the community. I know that's such a biggie, um, especially as children leave home too, yeah? Definitely. As children leave home, at all transition points, I think, status is often lost and has to be found in other ways. So to be conscious that we need status helps people to look at that clearly and think for themselves so how can I achieve status now now that I'm not at work and I'm not uh, in that role as a manager or whatever it was how now can I achieve status?
0: So Annie part of the reason that I started the Aging Fearlessly program uh, here at um, the Northern Beaches Radio is to help people to educate people in the community on things like you're talking about Mm. and status Mm. but also by introducing different guests who do different things mm. it may twig someone to go, that's what I need to try. Mm. Because not everybody everything that that or every person I bring up here has something, you know, for, mm. for everyone. Mm. But there'll be those people that go, Yeah, that's for me. It's like when I bought the ukulele band up, um, and, you know, we're talking about music in your life and other times we've talked about being an author with an author. Yeah. There are things that, you know, just might give that person an idea of yes, what hopefully. they want to do.
1: hopefully it will resonate with people. It's very difficult to talk to a wide audience about specifically what they need and talking to your listeners I'm sure everybody has a different story. So it's hard to be general. But at the same time, as the human-givens approach does give an explanation for why we might find life difficult, why we might be becoming anxious, why we're becoming depressed or, uh, or addicted to behaviours or substances or whatever. So it, awareness is the first stage, the first step. And sometimes it helps to work with a professional. So going to see someone and listening, being listened to can be extremely helpful.
0: And going to a professional used to be frowned upon.
2: Mm.
0: When I was younger, you know, and I suffered from anxiety, going to a professional to see how I could Mm. solve this issue or how I could make head or tail of what was going on Mm. in my life was, oh, no, you don't go and see someone and talk about your deep, you know, issues but now it's something we encourage people to do.
1: Well, thankfully, the stigma has dropped away and I get a lot of young people as clients and they're quite happy to come along and talk about the most intimate things and the most general things. And So, yes, it is becoming more accepted. But what happens when we go to have a talking therapy is that the thoughts that we have in our head change as we say them. So if you're having thoughts going round and round, just sitting opposite to someone who's not involved with your life, but you can express those thoughts too, so you sort of see the thoughts or hear the thoughts in front of you, makes a huge difference to the way that we compute them. So it's just listening, just being heard is really, really powerful. People underestimate it. Another way is to write stuff down. So a lot of people keep a journal and that's the same sort of process, getting your thoughts out of your head into the open space. Another need? Is to be achieving things and to be competent and to feel competent at something. Um, It can be a skill that we might have something we'd like to do as children and then take up again later in later life. But just to have the sense that we are achieving something, that life isn't in any way uh, becoming more, you're not becoming more and more useless, which is a sense that sometimes older people have. But it can be a great time for learning and relearning. So, lifelong education. Definitely. I also um,
0: relate this to uh, retirement and planning for financial retirement. You need to plan for your social mm. and your relationship retirement. Absolutely. As, Absolutely. Which is we, what you're saying.
1: Yes. We not only need to plan, but be aware of what our needs are. So, um One way that people often get their needs met is to create a social situation like the swimming group that we belong to. Every morning we see people and they acknowledge our existence by using our name. And that is really subtle but incredibly powerful. So perhaps if you go out in the morning and buy a newspaper and the newsagent just says hello and how are you, that is actually satisfying a really basic need that someone has acknowledged your presence. And for a lot of people who live alone can go through a whole day without having anyone to acknowledge their presence, and that is really harmful.
0: The first person I used to talk to years ago when we had tolls on the bridge... Was the person that took my toll?
1: <laughs> there you go. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I know. And how did you feel about that?
0: I used to laugh to myself because I think, yep, the first person I've spoken to is the tollgate person. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit lonely because at that stage I was living alone mm-hmm. and working in the city or going off to the other side of Sydney, and yeah, I, it's it's not a not a feeling that I I enjoyed. No. You talked about names. One of my big problems is remembering people's names and I'm trying to learn the skills to remember names Mm. because, as you said, it's so important. And there are so many people at swimming and there's (laughs) times when I go, oh, my God, is that Joe, John, Paul or Ringo? You know, it's...
1: It can get bad, but having someone just say hello, even if they get your name wrong... (laughs) Is uh, is, it's really reaffirming to us just the fact that our life, our presence in this world has been acknowledged by someone first thing in the morning. So it's not just to receive that, it's also about giving it. Mm. So for us to also remember, try and remember everybody else's name and use their name in that first conversation is hugely powerful. So what we're doing here is talking about a need that we have that we weren't aware that we have. All these needs are actually quite subtle, they're quite uh, unconscious. But we are actually programmed to get these needs met. So, as I said at the beginning, the same way that we have thirst to enable us to ensure that we get water and we have hunger to ensure that we get food, we also have innate skills to enable us to get all these emotional needs met. For example, we are really social creatures and we do reach out to people in social ways and we do try and connect with people all the time. If you try and do a helicopter view of of our little lives and the way that we work, you'll notice that people are constantly trying to connect with other people. Other people are trying to be private, having said that. Some people don't want to talk to everybody. Um, And that is the need for privacy that we all have as well. I think sometimes you see people at Swimming who
0: are sitting on the wall with their eyes shut and you just have to know that they're having their space time Mm. And don't go and touch them. Don't go and talk to them. Don't disturb them. Mm. It's their moment of maybe just taking in the morning light. Mm. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. Annie, during the break we were talking about the final
1: need... Well, there are several other needs, actually. But uh, one, for example, is a sense of justice, mm. um, a sense of um, – oh, what's another word? I can't really think of one. But they have done a research with small children, babies, who have a sense of ethics. That's the word I was looking for. A, a sense of ethical correctness. Um, i know it sounds
0: it's hard to it's hard to get hard mind. To around. i'll
1: go back to, the, to my last need that i've got here for today um which is that we need to be uh, stretched all the time not all the time in a day but we shouldn't stop ourselves being stretched in ways that give our lives a sense of meaning and purpose so we for people who retire often they think oh that's great i can just lie back and you know take a whole day to just do one thing and i don't have anything really to do but very quickly within a few months they'll find that not having a a sense of meaning and purpose to their lives or to their day actually becomes quite destructive and they will start doing something that gives them meaning and purpose it may be doing voluntary work Uh, it may be in clearing out the garage or doing those jobs around the house but Um, we need to have a sense of meaning and purpose and that's what makes us really um, feel that we are worthy, feel that we are competent and feel that we're engaged with life.
0: I think part of that is even having a time that you get up in the morning instead of not setting an alarm Mm. and waking up and feeling I'll just sleep in today Mm. sooner and one of my friends was just saying this on the phone that he's um, recently been made redundant and he was sleeping in till 9 and then it'd be 10 Mm. and, oh, it's too cold to get out of bed, then it'd be 11, I'll get up and have a cup of tea and the day was gone. Mm. Whereas you and I know that many of our friends have a routine Mm. where if they're not there at 7 o'clock, they they're not part of it, and uh, they've got to get up and do it if they want. You know, it's got to. You've got to get in the water then.
1: Yeah, you don't want to make people feel guilty, but no, it,
0: but it's not like you know. There's other times people can swim, of course, but it is about we have a purpose and a time and a goal to get there.
1: And I think when people are used to getting up at, say, seven in the morning to go to work, as you just said, when we don't have to do that anymore, it's all too easy to say, oh, I don't have to be up till nine or ten. But very quickly that becomes a very unsatisfactory way of living. And we need to have a sense of meaning and purpose. There's a very interesting book by a guy called Viktor Frankl, called Man's Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl was in the Second World War. He was in a concentration I've camp. I've of him. Yeah, yep. it's quite a well-known book. Yep. And, um, what And He was in a concentration camp, and what he saw was that some people were surviving quite well, whereas others went under. And those who were surviving quite well, he found, were, were those who found some meaning and purpose in their situation. And we see it also, for example, if you go to a supermarket and all the shelves are correctly lined up and everything's on their sh- in, in in order, you know that someone works there who's got a little bit of OCD and you know that they've got meaning and purpose. They're probably very happy to be working in that supermarket, whereas other people will work in the supermarket and find it soul-destroying and uh, see themselves at the lower end of the work.
0: I'm going to come back to that in mm. a minute. I just
1: want to, you know, that some of
0: the types of people you see in supermarkets that just flourish. Mm. But my mother is a great example of someone who has a routine and she is 90 in November. Hello, Mum. Very proud of you. But my mum is, she goes to bed by about 7.30 at night and she watches TV in bed and is probably asleep by 8 o'clock. However, at 6 o'clock, her body clock wakes her. hmm And she might have a bit of a think for half an hour, but then she gets up and she's got a sunny corner in the kitchen Mm. and she puts the kettle on and it looks over the river Mm -hmm. and she gets her book. Mm. And for the next hour she reads her book and that's just her special Mm. time because my dad passed away just over a year ago. Mm. But she knows by about eight o'clock she has to get moving because usually at 10 she starts bridge for the day or she's got someone that she's meeting for lunch or morning tea. So her days are really full. And often she says to me, oh, Karen, I just want a day at home. I want a day to get onto the computer and look at what the family's doing on Facebook.
1: I think we all uh, empathise with that, that uh, we find ourselves doing things that we wish we had more time for, the things that we really enjoy. But as I was just saying, sometimes when we get that that we desire, actually it becomes unsatisfying and unsatisfactory, like not having to get up in the morning for work. So recognizing that is 90% of actually making it right. And so I thought I'd just move on to talk a bit more about the um, resources that we have, our innate, unconscious resources Mm -hmm. that we have to enable us to get these needs met. Um, And the first one that we talk about is our imagination. So um, our imagination is a powerful powerful way of getting our our needs met we unlike most other animals as far as we know that don't have an imagination human beings are able to speculate and to look into the future and see life as it could be of course when our imagination is misfiring we can also imagine the worst thing that life could be so that's people, anxiety. that brings anxiety yes so people could think of guilty going, people think of going onto a plane and think oh my god this plane's going to crash or i can't go in, out into the car because uh, i might have a accident and when those sort of thoughts come up then those brains are misfiring and the wrong sort of imaginations are happening but if we think of a happy life and things going well and the community of friends and how wonderful it is to have grandchildren or friends around then we're thinking nice imaginative thoughts which help us to feel good about ourselves and our situation
0: that's amazing Mm -hmm. um my imagination used to often um Go to places that it shouldn't go. Mm. And I can attribute a lot of my anxiety to that. Mm. I was living way, way too far in the future Mm.
1: and really... Seeing, you know. I see that with a lot of clients come in with um, anxiety, what they call anxiety. And what's happening is that their imagination is just visioning the the wrong oh, sort of thoughts. Oh, it's dread. Yeah. Everything's horrid. Yeah. You know, everything's bad. Lots of negative thinking, negative. lots of repetitive, bad, obsessive thoughts. Yeah.
0: On, I always say on the mouse wheel mm. where you just can't get off it, you just rumin,
1: ruminate. Ruminate, yeah, yeah. 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 So another one, please, a resource. A resource is the ability we have to socialise. So we don't have to think too hard about how we create social circles and communities. We just innately know how to connect with people. We know that if you want to um talk to people you have good eye contact you sometimes have body contact as well and you touch people um the way that our facial muscles work we we just know without thinking too hard about it how to connect how to have conversations how to speak how to initiate new conversations with with new people and that can be scary, but we just if we just relax and allow nature to take over, we do connect with new people all the time. So our ability to have rapport with other people is something we don't think about. Even newborn babies have it. If you put a newborn baby down amongst a group of adults, you will notice that all the adults are looking at the baby um, and not at each other. Um, do you know what I mean? No, That's a sense, you have a, a little baby there, and everybody's looking at the baby. And people think that it's themselves looking at the baby. What's actually happening is the baby is actually forcing people to look at it. It has innate skills of oh, mimicking, of sticking its tongue out, of waving its hands around in a kind of way, which plums our kind of deep sense of nurturing and looking after the baby. So when we look at a baby, and you see all the adults looking at it, what is happening, actually, is the baby is connecting with all those people without even trying, without thinking oh, about it. Oh, my goodness. So we come into this world with all these skills. But as we grow up, unfortunately, we get knocked back, we get wounded. We might try to connect with somebody who Buffs us. So, you know, that makes us scared to make contact in future. Mm. So, again, it goes back to trusting our basic natural skills, our resources that nature's given us.
0: You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. Well, we were just talking about
1: imagination what's another resource ellie well we are born with a sense of um self-observation our observing self we call it and let me explain what that is so if you imagine the ability to take a helicopter ride from your life so you're focused in on your life and the helicopter goes straight up and you see your life in big bigger and bigger um expression so the the helicopter rises up and you can look down on yourself and see yourself and all the people around you and your life in the past and the future. As far as we know, no other animal, no other species has the ability to take this perspective on our lives. Um, Some therapists work in an existential way and that uses a lot of the observing self. Um, So if we are, for example... We have a small child and we're having sleepless nights and we don't have any time for ourselves. That's a long time ago for most of our listeners, I'm sure. But you may recall that at the time that was going on it was very overwhelming but if we were able to take our observing self and step back and have a helicopter view of our life we would recognize that that phase is not going to last forever, that baby does grow up and life does get back to some sense of normality and the same applies to when we retire, if we're able to look at our retirement phase as a stage which is a big transition uh, but we will get used to it and things will settle down then it becomes easier and people become less anxious around retirement and that new stage of life?
0: Perhaps um, some of the grandparents need to think about that because they're minding children Mm. and are often carers for people's children as um, as both couples have to work these Mm. days or there's a lot of single parents. Mm. So the grandparents step in, so maybe they need to take a look
1: from the helicopter and say this is only... period of time absolutely I think a lot of people do and to recognise that life has seasons and we pass through different stages and to recognise that whatever phase we're in now it is unlikely to last forever Um, for most of us life changes and things move on and things shift And having that knowledge and that appreciation that whatever state we're in at the moment and however it may seem, nothing lasts. The Buddhists say, um, this too may pass.
0: I think, Annie, you just triggered something in me. So when I suffered quite badly from anxiety, I felt like this was my life forever. And that actually really was damaging Mm. and made my anxiety worse because Mm. you think, how do I ever get out of this? So Mm. it was just something that Mm. flicked in
1: my brain then. Mm. and the ability we have to see our lives in perspective is very powerful but it gets lost all these resources can be lost for a while or can be misused so in the same way that our imagination can be misused and we can think about the worst thing that might happen whereas we could be thinking about the best thing that could happen um, the same way our memories for example are another resource that we have our ability to remember things that have happened to us and all the good things we could just focus on all the bad things that have happened to us so So using our memories constructively and not allowing any poor memories to over-influence what's happened. Um, Sorry, allow any bad memories to affect us too much in the present. So you may have had a bad experience in a car, for example, and perhaps Nindy got hit or had an accident. You could focus on that or you could choose just to think about all the times when you've driven somewhere Happily and without any incident, and everything's gone well. So, memories are a resource that we have, but you need to use them properly. And if the obsessive bad thoughts keep coming in, then some professional help to get you back on track is very useful. I think
0: some people we often say they're always playing the victim. Mm -hmm. And they're using those memories and Mm -hmm. always drawing on those bad memories. Why Mm -hmm. does
1: this happen to me and why this and why this? Mm -hmm. And other people focus on the good things that have happened. You know, my life was really bad five years ago, but look how it's changed. I can't believe what's happened to me. So some people have a much more positive outlook and are able to look at the happy things. Unfortunately, as a human species, we do tend to look at the bad side. And that's a survival mechanism because in the wild, if you just wander down the jungle thinking, oh, everything's lovely, la, la, you're going to get eaten by a lion. So some uh, some sense of an awareness of bad things that might happen does actually help to protect because us. Because
0: in part of us, even though we've evolved in a world, a lot of our, and I, you're going to have to help me, is it that those innate things within us mm-hmm. haven't evolved. Uh,
1: absolutely right. Yeah, that's spot on yes we are actually trying to cope with a world that's far more advanced than our brains can cope with which is why sleep is so important Um, but our natural skills for social interaction as well are really challenged by the new world when people are on their phones the whole time we're not adapted for that yet maybe there will become a time when we as species become more adapted to that but um, we're living in a world which is not conducive to the way that we are built and i you know why i mentioned that was because i heard that
0: related once to diet and the way we eat mm. because we used to always you know years the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm. of years ago when we were hunters and gatherers mm. you'd eat when the food was there mm. and there was times when the food wasn't there mm. well now we constantly have food and we're constantly grazing mm. or overeating mm. and that's just to make something that in us that hasn't you know we mm. haven't ad- adapted to that's right um
1: Yes, being able to regulate our diet more sensibly, it actually takes conscious effort not to graze and to eat all the time. But, uh, I mean, cows, for example, have to eat all the time or they don't get the nutrition they need, so they have to eat all their waking time. But look how advanced cows have become. They haven't got much beyond the field. You know, a world run by cows. I don't know if that would work. Today I'm speaking with Annie Girton, And, Annie, we've just been hearing um, a great story We've been hearing about the human givens, which is the innate needs and resources that we have as human beings to enable us to be happy and healthy, and what happens if those needs are not met or if we misuse the resources. And anybody who's been listening with us might have uh, recognised that this is quite similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is something we're taught as psychology students, but also they learn it in secondary schools, um, which says that uh, we basically need food and water and sleep um, before we can... in order to exist. Mm -hmm. If we don't have those, we die, basically. Um, And above that, we also need um, safety and security in our lives. We also need friendship and family, and above that, we need self-esteem and confidence, But the most important things are those at the bottom. We need breathing, air, and food and water. And we can't think about the higher needs until those base needs are met. So you can't talk to somebody who's homeless about higher philosophical issues or existential issues because they just haven't got anywhere to live, Mm. anywhere to sleep. So until our basic needs are met, we can't do the higher stuff of self-actualization and to think about being creative or thinking about health and fitness if you've got nowhere to sleep so that's sort of uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs the human givens that i've been talking about is kind of similar but also a little bit more advanced it takes a more bio psycho, approach to the things that we are born with as infants and enable us as we go into the world to flourish as human beings and to achieve our potential but unfortunately life is not simple or straightforward and stuff happens to us mum might leave us at nursery one day and we suddenly panic that she's not going to be there mum and dad might divorce and suddenly our world sort of implodes and even though we think we're going going through that quite well it does have an effect on us and... um There's lots of things that can happen to us in life that makes us feel unsafe. And what we're always searching for, what we seek and what we need more than anything is safety in our world, safety Mm. in our relationships, safety in where we're living. And if we don't have safety, we begin to feel anxious and that then leads on to other problems like depression and addiction.
0: I often, I know when I'm feeling uncomfortable, I always feel it in my throat Mm. first Mm. and that's like a little anxiety trigger for me. Mm. Other people feel it in their stomach. Mm. Um, it's, it's strange, but it's almost
1: like heartburn. And what's happening there is that at a lower level, at a subconscious level, physiologically your body is reacting to that state of unhappiness. Mm. If you're feeling unsafe, that is a really bad thing for us. So your body is trying to tell you um, that something's going on that you're not comfortable with.
0: I listen to it now. Good. But I never understood it before. Mm. But oh. I do listen to it. Mm. I know.
1: I just go, oh, yeah, okay, you're there. Well done. You're there. So you're aware. You're kind of conscious that your body is trying to tell you these things. But it's very easy to not be aware of those things or to think it's something else, to think that pain in your stomach is indigestion or something. It took me a long
0: time to learn Mm. any. I I was a slow learner.
1: Mm. I think Um, we all are, Karen. (laughs) Annie,
0: if anyone wants to know any more or has any questions for you, how do they find you? Through
1: my website is the best way. There's a kind of contact Annie button on my website and my website is just www.anniegurton.com and that's G-U-R-T-O-N, Annie Gurton.
0: Thank you so much for coming along today. I've learnt so much. I've enjoyed it a lot.
1: Thank you very much, Karen.
0: You're just great to talk to. Oh, you it's so sweet. So to the listeners out there, again, this is Winding Up, Aging Fearlessly for the week. I hope you'll listen again next week. And for now, that's it. Cheerio. Bye. (laughs) So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice.
2: The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in your eye. It's not all time to five. It's a wonderful day. Let's go and climb mountains high, swim across oceans wide, live out our dreams, just you and me. Let your heart be alive. There's no time to waste. Gotta go get the.